know if this message isn't for anybody else, although I believe it is since all of you raised your hands when I asked if you were tired tonight. So we're in good shape. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. And uh, I want to share this thought with you tonight for the next couple of minutes, and that is simply this, at the right time. The King James Version says it this way, in due season, we'll reap if we faint not. And uh, I believe that what I said at the beginning of this service is very true. I believe that the enemy of our souls are trying to wear us out and just make us tired. He knows that for most of us to throw a temptation in front of us, it may or may not work because we're strong enough to come against those kinds of temptations and and so he doesn't even mess with that. And he, he accepts the fact that I'm going to be a worshiper. And he accepts the fact that I'm going to be a follower of Christ. But in order for me to be less effective than what I am designed to be, he's going to set up a situation to where I get worn out and I get tired. See, sometimes we get tired just because that's life. Uh, calendars and clocks and things of life that just go flying by and we've got to go to work and we've got church and we've got kids and we've got all of the different things that our kids are involved in and we've got this and that and we've got to take care of this at the house and take care of that at the house and we've got to do this at the, the church or at work or my car is doing this or, and, and before too long we have crowded our days so compact that by the time we're ready to actually focus on something of eternal nature, we're too tired to receive what God is trying to do, and we just get excited because the pillow's coming. And I believe that that is one of the tools of the enemy is to get us so invested in things that are important that we... We, we end up being too tired for the things that are eternal. There are some things that are important, but they are not eternal. Your job is important, but how many can say, thank God it's not eternal? <clears throat> right? Our homes are important. But I'm sorry, eventually they're not going to be in date. They're going to spring a leak. They're going to need a replacement. They're going to need to be fixed up. We, we spend so much time on things that are important that we end up being too tired to spend time on the things that are eternal. And what the, the writer of Galatians tells the, the church in Galatia, he says this, don't get weary in well-doing, for in due season you're going to reap. Due season is the thing that you and I are impatient about. Because we think due season is right now. 
And in 10 minutes, due season is right then. <laughs> and a half an hour from now, it's due season. And tomorrow, it's due season. But the Bible says that it's at just the right time is when you're going to reap a harvest of blessings if you don't faint, if you don't get too weary. See, here's what I have come to realize is that there are a lot of us that work so hard and are so faithful and we get to the point where we think that we just can't do it any longer and so we get so tired that we just stop and what we fail to realize is that if we would just take one or two more steps, there would be a brand new door that opens and things begin to change. But because we come back and we fall back because we're worn out and we're tired of doing that which is good and that which is right, all of a sudden we miss out on the blessing of God where if we would just take the uh, advice of Paul to the Galatian church and and say, I'm going to be tired right now, but I need to take one more step. Because when it happens, it is going to happen. You see, there's a lot of people today that are weary. They're tired. They're exhausted, both naturally and spiritually. As we, I shouldn't say we, I'll, I'll speak for myself. But as we get older, it's harder to get up. As much as we want to get up and get going, man, it's nice to hit a snooze. But see, here's the thing. If we do that in the natural, that's okay. But if we do that in the spiritual, we may miss our season. There's a lot of people that get right up to it. I, I, I thought about this and I've preached this. So if you've been around here, you've probably heard this. But there's a story in the Bible where the disciples go out to the boat to fish. In, in fact, they weren't very happy with the Lord when they went out there, so they went out to fish. And Jesus from the shore sees that they're not catching anything. Not catching a thing. These are professional fishermen, and they're not catching anything. It's like Jason and Brandon fishing. They're just not getting anything. I've seen pictures. They've caught one or two things. But these, but these were professional fishermen. That's all that they did. And they were out there all night long and couldn't get it. And Jesus shows up and he tells them this. Why don't you cast your net on the other side of the boat? Now this was not a cruise liner. This was just a boat. It wasn't that much distance from this side of the boat to that side of the boat. It wasn't that far to go to cast the net on the other side. And so the disciples' response is, Lord, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been fishing all night. I've been fishing my whole life. What good is 10 feet gonna do on that side of the boat? And then they said this, the very smart thing that they said, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll cast my net. And when they cast the net on the other side of the boat, they gathered so much that the nets couldn't even hold it. What's the difference? Did God just create the fish at that moment? Maybe. I don't know. But I think he was trying to tell the disciples something. 
that if you'll just keep going just a little bit, when you're following me, I'm going to supply and provide. You see, there's sometimes that we get stuck on one side of the boat and we're too fearful just to walk the 10 feet to the other side and we miss out on the season that God has for us. And God is trying to challenge us tonight that be not weary in well-doing for in due season when the time is just right, when God declares it, it's going to happen. Let me put it to you this way. The, the, the wisest man on earth, according to scripture, was Solomon. And he wrote a passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And it's a very uh, familiar passage of scripture. It's written out all the time, but it's a time for this and a time for that. There's a time to heal. There's a time to, to war. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to cry. There's a time to, to lie down and there's a time to rise up. There's a time to plant and a plant, time to sow. And, and, and what he's basically saying is there's a season for everything. And the problem is we don't necessarily enjoy the seasons because just like we naturally get bogged down in the middle of a season and we're waiting for that next season. Joe Souchere on the radio used to call it the 20, 21sters. He said, I, I, I can't wait until when summer starts and when winter starts because that's the next phase into the next season. Just get me to that. And, and, and that's what we do. But in the spirit, we have to keep walking and not get tired. But, but, but pastor, I just, I don't think I can worship today. I'm just, I'm so beat. I'm so tired. One more step. Don't get worried. Don't get weary. Just, just keep moving forward. Don't stop. You may get sluggish. But there's coming a time when his time is right that the windows of heaven are going to open and the blessings of almighty God are going to rain down upon your spirit. And when that begins to happen, your weariness will disappear, your frustration will be washed away and you will step into a season of joy and excitement and fear because you're not sure exactly what he's doing because he's doing some great things in your life and he's flipping things up in the air on you and you're wondering, but, but you're, you're, you're at peace in the midst of your fear because you know he's doing it, not you. I heard a statement a long time ago and I've used it several times. And the statement is simply this. Do you realize that nothing ever occurs to God? It never occurs to him. You know, we talk about, oh man, it occurred to me the other day that nothing ever occurs to God. He is the ultra melancholy. He has got everything planned out in detail, right down to the crossing of the T and the dotting of an I. He's got a plan in place that is absolutely in perfection. And when, when he has it in perfection, then he's ready for you to just follow him because if you, he, he doesn't want you to mess up the plan, but if you'll just follow his plan, well, what's his plan? 
I press towards the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I forget the things which are behind and I reach for the things that are before. As I continue to move, as I continue to seek, the Bible says it this way, knock and it shall be open, seek and you shall find, ask and you shall receive. Keep moving forward even when you're tired. Because here's the thing. If nothing ever occurs to God, then nothing ever happens suddenly to God. Things occur to us, so things happen suddenly to us. Acts chapter 2 is an interesting passage of scripture. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, and suddenly, there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And suddenly, it happened. What I want to know is why wasn't everybody there for the suddenly? We know how many were there. The Bible tells us there was 120. But what the Bible doesn't tell us is that in the 10-day tarrying time was there only 120. Because in Acts chapter 1, he's with the 12 and the multitudes that saw him go into glory. There was multitudes there that he said, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Go, go. I don't know how many a multitude is, but if 120 is the multitude, why didn't uh, the writer of Acts, Luke, the doctor, the physician, the one that was probably more detailed than any of the other writers, why didn't he say that it was the 120 that were there when Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem? So what happened? Why did the multitudes go to the 120? I'll tell you why. Somebody got tired. Somebody said, well, I know he said to wait and pray and tarry. And he didn't tell me how long it was. He didn't tell me it was going to be one day or two days. I have a feeling that some of them got into the upper room or in that area of the upper room. And after a couple of hours, okay, God, it's dinner time. Okay, God, my sports team's playing. The gladiators are moving down at the arena. I I think maybe after about six hours of tearing, some of them were like, man, I got to take a nap. After a day of tearing together in the upper room, I have a feeling that some of them says, well, man, I really got to get back to work. And so they decided to step away from the upper room. Some of them maybe even made it to nine days and 23 hours and said, I've done this for a week and a half. I'm done. And walked away. But there was 120 that experienced the suddenly of God. And when God suddenly moved, After about 10 days of tarrying, 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, suddenly at that moment, their due season came. Just the right time, just the right moment, just the right minute is when God decided to pour out his spirit upon those 120 believers in the upper room. What would have happened if the multitudes, now there was a great revival that took place in just a matter of time. If you read Acts chapter two, it exploded very quickly. But what would have happened if the suddenly was experienced by the multitude and not just the 120. And my question to us tonight is, don't get weary in your fourth day. Don't get weary in the fifth day. Maybe it's going to take seven or eight days. Maybe your suddenly is going to come on the 10th day. Maybe it's going to be the 20th day. Don't get weary in well-doing for in due season, when the time is right, at just the right moment, suddenly God's going to move. And you're going to go, oh, wow, God. I've had some wow moments in my life. I've had some moments when I've looked at it and I said, oh, my Lord. How could you do that at this moment in time? Wow. And then I step back and he reminds me. Because six months ago, you planted a seed in prayer. And you didn't give up for the six months. Sometimes I have forgotten the seeds that I've planted. Sometimes I have forgotten the prayers that I've prayed. Sometimes I've gotten so consumed with my life, I've forgotten what I talked to him about. And then the suddenly comes because I'm still trying to do what God wants me to do. And all of a sudden I look and, oh my word, what are you doing? Listen, we, we've shared a little bit of this with you. When I got the call from Gary Weisbrod about pastoring this church, it was a suddenly moment. It was an unheard of moment. I wasn't seeking it. I wasn't searching for it. I was very happy where I was at. I was assuming that I was going to pastor, but it would be pastoring a church from the family, faith family that I was a part of for 20 some years. I was ordained. I was licensed. I was just waiting for the right opportunity of God. And then my uncle Gary sends me an email saying, I heard you're interested in pastoring. And I said, well, yeah. And then we came and visited once. And my wife and I were 180 degrees different than anybody in this church. And so we left here, this was the beginning of, or the end of October, just after the little one was born. And, and, and so then we come back at Thanksgiving and we come and preach one more time and, and, and it was a wonderful service and, and we felt a little bit more comfortable, but we got into our car and my wife burst out in tears and says, I don't know that we can do this because I think they'll be afraid of us. <laughs> because we were that drastically different. And the people that were a part of this church at that time had come from the faith family, a large majority of them had come out of the faith family that we were still a part of when we were elected to be the pastor of this church. Talk about suddenlies. 
And we get in our car and we're driving back to Kansas City wondering what in the world God is doing in our life and trying to figure out what God is trying to lead us into and go to, 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 to do what God is wanting us to do. And it's, it's blowing our mind until we stopped a moment and realized we'd been preparing for this for 20 years. I've been preparing for it since I was 12 years old. I made my decisions in junior high and high school based on what I felt God wanted me to do. I don't say that to be braggadocious. I say to, I, I tell you that to say this, it doesn't always happen quickly, but when it happens, it's powerful. Decisions I made in junior high and senior high. I quit hockey because I knew that hockey wasn't the pathway that God wanted me to go. Have I regretted it? Not at all. Have I regretted any of that? No, not at all, because I've realized now looking back that the decisions that I was blessed to make at that moment opened up my due season. And had I alleviated from where I thought God was taking me, I may not have gotten to my due season. My wife and I had always, from the time that we became friends, and began our ministry together at the ripe old age of 18 and started being pastors, youth pastors of the church there. We never in any place that we ever went ever treated it as a stepping stone, ever. When I took the job, when, when Pastor and Sister Trout sat me down at, at 18 years old and two months, and I'll be honest with you, the first thought that came into my mind when they asked me to be their youth pastor was, I won't have a school bill. I won't have to pay for school. They're going to pay for my schooling, which means I can just get a job just to have spending money. That was my first thought. But after I got into it, I thought we were going to be in Dover forever. I didn't think we'd ever leave. And we were there, I was there for five years. Trish obviously was there, grew up there. But after a year of marriage, then we get this knock on the door. Pastor Gleason says, we'd like you to come to Kansas City and be the youth pastor. And so we said, okay, God, what are you doing? And suddenly he moved us there. And when we got there, here's what we thought. We're never leaving. This is our forever. This is where God is, this, this is awesome. And we never treated it as a stepping stone to something greater. And the reason why we never did is sometimes it was purposely, sometimes it wasn't. But one of the reasons we never did is because we wanted to be doing well and not get weary in well-doing. See, well-doing isn't just doing good things, okay? What that means there is be not weary in serving God. Be not weary in following after him. Be not weary in paying the price of people rejecting you for who you are in Christ. Be not weary in, in, in the things that you have to do to draw closer to him because in due season, it's going. So when we get the call from Gary and all of a sudden on December 2nd, 2008, he calls me at about eight o'clock or 8.30. It must've been a quick meeting that night, 8.30, quarter to nine. And this is the way he answers. He says, am I talking to the new pastor at Spirit of Grace Church? My response was, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> and two weeks later, we were here. 
suddenly, so, I mean, two weeks, literally, we moved here on the 18th of December. We were elected on the 2nd, we were here on the 18th and haven't left. And, 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 and what, 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 what am I trying to get to? I'm trying to say this. Everybody has a season. But the thing is, is God is the God of the season. He's the one that sets the cycle in place of, of spring and summer and fall and winter. He's the one that establishes the seasons of life. He's the one that established what a year was. He's the one that established our ages as we grow older. He's the one that does. Why am I 49? The reason why I'm 49 is because he declared that there would be one year and our age would go by one year. And so after 49 years, I'm 49 years old. If he meant for us to have dog ears, then we'd have something different. But he established a timeline for our season is not dictated by what we want. Listen, when a farmer puts a crop into the ground during the sowing season, they are hoping and they have a time frame and they have a season when they know that the harvest is coming, but they don't know exactly when it's going to happen. Jesus said it this way, my harvest is already ripe for harvest. I'm just waiting to put the right people in the right place. And if you'll just keep walking one step in front of the other and not get tired in doing it and not get tired in serving him, there is coming a day when the due season of your life will explode suddenly in your life and you'll wonder what took so long. Because he knows. He knows. I'm going to finish with this. You have to understand that God is a craftsman. He creates masterpieces. He, he, he doesn't make junk. And, and there's some things that you and I have to rely on. We have to have faith in. And that is this. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Well, pastor, you don't know what I did 20 years ago. I don't, I don't care. Because God uses what you did 20 years ago to make you what you are today so that you can be a blessing to someone today that you had to experience 20 years ago. He's woven all of the good and all of the bad, and he's made a tapestry, a beautiful tapestry together of your life so that when the time comes and your season comes upon you, you can become a conduit and an instrument for him to be using you for the glory of God. Can I just tell you something? The way you are right now is because God's hand has been upon you well, pastor, there's no way God's hand was upon me when I was doing this and this and this. I wasn't listening to him. I was, listen, God's known where you're at exactly wherever you're at. You see, there's this misnomer. There, 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 there's this false teaching out there based off of a song that was written. And it says this, I once was lost, but now I'm found. You ain't never been lost. You didn't need to be found. He knew exactly where you were at. 
Can I tell you what was lost that needed to be found? I'll tell you what it was. Jesus said it this way. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He did not say, I came to seek and to save those who were lost. He said that which was lost. Can I tell you what was lost? Here's what was lost. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, there was a break in communion. There was a break in intimacy. There was a break in relationship. And from that moment in time till present day, God has been seeking that communion, that intimacy. He knew exactly where you were at when you were in the gutter. He knew exactly where you were at when you were in the CEO office. He knew exactly where you were at when you were doing whatever you were doing. You were never lost to him. He knew where you were. But what was lost was an intimacy with you. And he has tried to bridge a gap to bring that intimacy back between the two of you. And when he does that, if you will follow him, you will come into your due season. Just don't get weary. Just don't get tired. Listen, life is tiring enough. It's tiring enough. We need to eat right. We need to sleep right. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to do all of those things in our natural world in order for us to be the most effective. It's not effective to stay up for 24 hours and try to drive a two-hour truck route. Not wise. And yet we try to do some of that spiritually. We try to put the pedal to the metal and go 100 miles an hour all the time. Listen, there's some times where you got to sit in your chair, put your Bible on your lap, close your eyes and just say, wash over me. God, I'm tired. Rejuvenate me. Reinvigorate me. Bless me one more time. Lord, I'm not giving up. I'm taking one more step. I don't see what I'm facing. I don't understand what I'm going through. I don't see light at the end of the tunnel. But God, if I'm in the tunnel with you, I've got the light of the world. And I know you've got it in control. I know that if I keep walking towards you, eventually, God, my season is going to come. There's somebody here tonight that your season is just a couple steps away. And God is trying to remind you tonight, don't stop. Keep moving. Keep praying, keep reading, keep seeking, keep fasting, keep moving, keep worshiping, keep being faithful. Because in due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. I invite you to stand. I declared Sunday morning, that the month of February is going to be a month of freedom. I have come to declare to somebody today that if you will just keep walking, the sounds of freedom in your due season are getting ready to sound. Because here's what I know is when you enter due season, all of the sacrifice is worth it. In Delaware, we did dramas at Easter. And I've shared this with you before, but for those that are new, 
I, I would write a drama. We would do an Easter drama, and it was while I was still going to college. So I would go to school from 7 o'clock till 1 o'clock, and I'd have my classes. And after lunch, my crew would show up, my crew's being my pastor. And Anthony would show up, and, and his brother-in-law Rex would come in the afternoon, and we would start building at 1 o'clock. And we would build all night and overnight. I mean, we had a massive set. We had two stories over here, a big two-story set here, big mountain of crepe paper over there that you could walk in and out of, and, and, and the tomb was way up high, and Gethsemane was way up high. I mean, it was huge. And so we would start building that, and we would start in the afternoon, and we'd go all night long and overnight. Well, then those guys went home and went to bed, and I had to go to school. And so literally for the two weeks before Easter, I did not sleep at all believe me after Easter I crashed but when we got to the nights of those three nights of drama and the house came and was filled with people and we got to show the story of the resurrection all of those hours all of picking out the right songs all of picking out the right costumes all of maneuvering. We were blessed one year to have twins in the college so we could really do it up well. So we had a bloody Jesus and a risen Jesus. They were twins. It was great. We had, we had one year, we had a mannequin because we had a member of our church that worked in a men's shop. And so he brought a mannequin. We had a mannequin and, and walked him down the aisle. It was Jesus walking to the, or being carried to the tomb and, and, and the mourners and the songs. And, and it was one. And to hear and to see the effect that those dramas would have on the people that were there, it made the two weeks and more of sacrifice worth it. Your weariness right now will give way to blessing very shortly. And your blessing will tell you that your weariness was worth it. Would you bow your heads in the presence of God? Jesus, I asked this congregation at the beginning of this service how many people were just weary and tired and several raised their hands. And Lord, I'm asking you now, Help us not to get weary in well-doing, but help us to step into a due season where we will begin to reap the things that we have sown and the things that you want to bless us with. I'm asking you, Lord, by the authority of your word and the power that's in your name, from the top of every head to the sole of every foot, I'm asking you for divine energy right now to be ushered into each and every life. Help each person here tonight recognize that one more step, two more steps, ten more steps is worth the price and the sacrifice to pay to step into the season that you have prepared. For just at the right time, you're going to step in and create a suddenly moment for us, a suddenly moment that you have been planning for, that you have been preparing for, and it's going to be brand new for us, and it's going to be a powerful for us and it's going to be anointed for us in the name that is above every name for at your name every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess the name of Jesus we ask it in the name of Jesus we ask it amen amen here's what I want to challenge you with and then we'll go when you wake up tomorrow morning no matter what time it is when you put your feet on the ground, I want you to speak to your enemy and say, I'm stepping into my due season.
I'm stepping into my due season and just see by faith what God begins to do on your behalf. It may blow your mind even by tomorrow night. In Jesus' name. If the Lord tarries, we'll come back on Sunday. Men's prayer breakfast on Saturday.